Now, today we're finishing our series we've called Under Pressure. I hope you've enjoyed this series, and more than that, I hope that it has encouraged you and empowered you to live a more effective life um, in this pressure cooker we're in in the 21st century. I want to I tell you a quick story. Some of you may have heard this story. If you have, just pretend like you haven't. You already know the punchline. Don't give it away. But it's one of my favorite stories. There was a, um, a general and a soldier riding in a train across the country, and directly in the seat across from them was a lady and her, her 18, 19-year-old beautiful, beautiful daughter. And as they were whisking across country in this train, they happened upon a tunnel. And when they went into the tunnel, this long tunnel, they couldn't see the end of the tunnel with a light. They couldn't see behind them. It became completely dark. And in the middle of the darkness, all of a sudden you heard a kiss and a slap. And so there in the dark, everybody's left to interpret I wonder what just happened. Okay? So the, the, um, the mom is thinking, that soldier was making eyes at my daughter. And when the lights went out, he reached across and kissed her, and she slapped him. Now, the daughter is thinking, that soldier that was looking at me, when the lights went out, he tried to reach across and kiss me, but he kissed my mom instead, and she slapped him. Now, the general is thinking, that dumb soldier of mine, when the lights went out, he reached across and, and kissed that young girl, and she was trying to slap him, and she slapped me instead. And the soldier was thinking, I never had so much fun kissing the back of my hand and slapping a general. <laughs> now, see what I mean? It's one of, one of my favorites. Now, there's one thing, one simple, small, ordinary, common, everyday thing that will change that entire story. Light. Had somebody had a flashlight, that general would have changed that soldier's career. How many of you know that? Most of them had the wrong thought about what was going on because of the darkness. Now watch. This is a good picture of how we live. Life is like a dark tunnel pressing in on us. And without light, we are not going to see right. We're not going to act right. And we're not going to think right. We're not going to interpret the events of life correctly uh, uh, without light. So since we're finishing our Under Pressure series, I want to zero in on, on our thought life. Now you probably are aware we're in a mental health crisis in our country. So we've been talking about in this series, how do we deal with pressure? In other words, can we, can we preempt some of the anxiety and stress and fear and pressure before it gets out of control? Now, as I've said to you each week, you're not going to take any one of these messages and just say, this is what our church taught and I applied it and it helped a little, but it really didn't help much. 
It's the combination of these things, if you'll use them together, where you'll begin to see real change in your life. So the first week we said, receive hope. In other words, first off, realize that if you are living under pressure or fear or anxiety or just happen to live on earth in the 21st century, God cares about you and he cares about what you feel and he cares about what you're going through and he offers you hope. The week after that, we taught you the formula for peace. How do I bring in prayer the things that are pressuring me to God and live under less pressure? Last week, we said grow in wisdom. How do I live in a way, in a wiser way, that I don't get myself in so much pressure? And today, we want to end here uh, with, with what I just want to call is the muscle. Um, we're going to talk about renewing your mind. I think this is one of the most important parts of the whole series because it gives you the strength and the muscle to do the other three. Where, do, where does the resource come from? It comes from here. So, so let's start there this morning. What have you been thinking about this week? Now, I think that's an important question because we have, on average, 30,000 thoughts a day. So don't say nothing. <laughs> not, not true. You've been thinking about something, but you probably haven't been thinking about your thoughts. You've been thinking your thoughts, but you've not been thinking about what you think about. You probably don't have a way to say, what subjects have I spent the most time? How many times this week have you used these statements, could have, would have, should have, or how many if-onlys were part of your inner thought life? How many times have you replayed a conversation or situation in your head that was painful to you? You've replayed it over and over and over. How many scenarios have you created of an unpredictable future? Well, if this happens, you know, I could do that, or that could do that, or I could do that. And you play the future out in your mind. How much time do you spend speculating? Do you go through the motions of the day, but your mind is somewhere else? Is your thinking becoming distorted? In other words, are you forming a personal identity around a problem? You talk about my, my sickness, my heart problem, my crisis, my condition. And then it becomes a, a way of thinking and an identity. Do you, do you ever think or say things like, nothing ever goes right for me. Everything I touch fails. I always mess up. Romans chapter 8 verse 6 says, The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. How much life and peace do you have in your mind? Well, uh, God has a goal for your mind and for my mind, and it would be that we think like Jesus because that is life and peace. We can't see Jesus running around all stressed out and wired up and overwhelmed and worried and anxious about the future even though his future was death on the cross. It wasn't because he was going to escape all of life's problems that he had life and peace. It was because he had a mind controlled by the Spirit that he had life and peace in spite of the things he was going to endure. So in the Bible, you'll see this phrase, the mind of Christ. And it's just a way of saying the Holy Spirit is growing us in, in every way to be like Jesus, including in our thought life. So how many of your thoughts 
are like Jesus' thoughts. So I want to give you a, a little scale this morning that we can look at. You can see here, uh, if, if you were to uh, rate yourself on this scale and you were to say, all my thoughts are not like Jesus and they're like my old thought life before I was a Christian or maybe, maybe you're not a Christian or you're not sure you're a Christian, then how many of your thoughts are not like Jesus? That's what you want to ask yourself. One would be all of them. On the other hand, 10 would be all of my thoughts are just like Jesus. If that's you, we want you to stand because we want to applaud for you. You have to be the greatest person we ever met. Somewhere, though, on that spectrum, see, the closer your mind is to one, two, and three, the more you live in fear, anxiety, worry, panic, and all of that. The more your mind is up there towards seven, eight, nine, ten, you're thinking more like Jesus, the more your mind is filled with life and peace. But here's the good news. Wherever you are on that spectrum this morning, you can grow. Your mind can change. I guarantee it. Romans 12 calls it the renewing of the mind. So if you're taking notes this morning, um, I want to give you three thoughts on how do we renew our mind. How do we renew our mind? Number one, recognize the negative thoughts. Recognize the negative thoughts. This is what I'm saying. We have 30,000 thoughts a day it's not that we don't have negative thoughts. It's that we oftentimes don't recognize them. And those thoughts drive our emotions and they drive our actions and they drive our beliefs, but we don't oftentimes analyze them. So before we can do anything else, we need to understand what is the negative thought or what is the negative belief that is driving what we're experiencing. Romans 12.2 says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world. So I just want to stop there. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. So, so here's what I want you to see. There is this pattern, and there's this rhythm, and there, there's a perspective and an environment and a pressure that the world has. The pattern of the world is trying to press us into conformity to think like a one or a two or a three rather than a seven or an eight or a nine or a ten. That's what the systems of the world are doing. It's, it's, a, it's a system that's built on human wisdom and unbiblical worldview. It's a system with darkness, deception, and seduction. And this pressure causes stress, fear, and anxiety. It is like a dark tunnel that those people are riding through in a train. It presses in on you to conform you. And in the dark, you really don't know what's going on. You have to turn the light on. You have to turn the light on. So there's this pressure in our world to conform. Now, here's what's interesting if you look up these words in their original language. The New Testament was written in Greek, and to get a, um, a fuller understanding of what a, a word in the Bible means, you have to go back to its original language because it doesn't always translate exactly into English. And this word pattern means this. It means an outward form that changes from year to year. So, so, I, so I want you to understand, the pattern the world's trying to conform you to isn't even the same that it was last year, or five years ago, or ten years ago. What was wrong then is now right, and what was right is now wrong, and it's shifting sand. 
It seeks to pressure us into whatever the current mood of society is. And these thought patterns are planted into our mind in a variety of ways. So how might these thought patterns get in our mind? They get in our mind through culture. Now, I'm I'm not making fun. I just want to show you how culture carries belief systems. And when people are raised up in culture, those beliefs are planted in. And the only way to renew your mind is to unplant them. So there are some cultures in the world that say, "We we don't eat the cows because they might be our reincarnated relatives come back into the form of a cow. Now, that might sound odd or weird, but if you were raised in that culture, that belief would be planted in your mind as a child, and it's only coming out if it's uprooted. Your family has a culture. This city, this county has a culture. This state has a culture. This country has a culture. And thoughts have been planted in you from the time you were a child. And if they're negative or wrong or dysfunctional or broken, they're not coming out unless you, unless you identify them, unless you recognize them and unplant them. So your family, your family has planted ideas in your mind. Some hopefully very good, but some might not be good. So you look at a family, the dad's an alcoholic, the granddad's an alcoholic, the great-granddad's an alcoholic, and you say, what thoughts have been planted in this family generation after generation that keeps leading them down this road. Or or, or you have a family that is a um, a, a victim of divorce. You have divorced, and the kids are divorced, and the grandkids are divorced, and the great-grandkids are divorced, and they're remarried and divorced again. And you say, what do these people believe that continues to propagate this type of life? Through suffering these Thoughts are planted into our mind, especially suffering in childhood that causes us to allow beliefs to be planted in our mind that guides us. We believe things like, well, where was God? God doesn't care. God God didn't stop that. Why didn't God stop that? And we form our theology off suffering sometimes. And also Satan, he's not going to miss an opportunity to plant a thought in our mind. So he tempts us with thinking that is more attractive than God's way. Isn't that exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve? God says, don't eat of this tree. And the the devil comes along and says, oh, no, no, he's lying to you. Actually, if you eat from the tree, your life will be better. And God doesn't want your life to be better. God wants your life to be worse. So try it. Boy, that worked out good, didn't it? And and so Satan will plant thoughts in your mind. And then sometimes thoughts are planted in our mind because our minds are in neutral. They're just passive. They're just like big satellite dishes just receiving all the thoughts of the world. And here here comes some more. Once those thoughts have been planted in your long-term memory, they will never go away unless they are uprooted. So how do we deal with them? Well, we've got to learn to recognize negative thoughts, and the best way I know to do that is look at the places um, of internal conflict. So what happens is it it usually comes in the form of an emotion. Too too often when we sense emotional conflict inside ourselves, we try to fix it. And what I want to encourage you to do, rather than trying to fix those moments of emotional conflict, um, try, to, try to listen to them. Emotions are not a problem to be solved. They're a warning. They're trying to tell you something. So emotions are not to be controlled. They're meant to be felt. 
Dr. Carolina Leaf, who wrote an incredible book called Who Switched Off My Brain, she says that all emotions evolve out of fear or faith. So when you feel something, ask yourself the question, is this emotion being driven by fear or is it being driven by faith? Why am I angry? Am I angry because faith has brought me to anger? Has faith made me depressed? Has, has fear brought me to here? When you, when you ask yourself, uh, why am I worried today? What thought is making me worried, and is that thought born from faith or fear? God wants to keep introducing Jesus' thoughts into your mind, but every time God introduces a Jesus thought into your mind, it causes conflict with the old thoughts that are in your mind. And when you sense that conflict, stop and say, where is this coming from? So first, you have to recognize the negative thought. Number two, reject the negative thoughts. When you find thoughts that disagree with what God says, reject them. Now, here's what I want you to know, and this is something nobody told me uh, earlier in life. I had to, uh, eventually people did, but I had to learn it because I didn't believe it, and I don't think the average person believes it, and I'm not even sure the average Christian believes it. You absolutely have authority over your own thought life. You, you, You don't have to just think whatever somebody tells you, whatever comes along. You can control what you think. The word mind is used in the, new, in the Bible about 115 times. And, and I've, I looked up all of them and I read all of them. And let me tell you basically what the Bible's going to say about the mind. It's going to infer it. It's going to state it uh, categorically or, or whatever. But here's what it basically is going to say. God saved your soul, but the condition of your mind is up to you. Now let's think about it. God saved your soul, but the condition of your mind is up to you. He will give you the tools. He'll give you the resources. He'll give you the help. He'll give you the authority. But your mind will live in the condition you allow it to live in. And you don't have to accept every thought that comes through your mind. You have the ability to reject it. So let me show you this in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. In other words, we don't fight with guns and knives and sticks and grenades and tanks and all that stuff. That, on the contrary, the weapons that we fight with have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. See what I'm saying? There's a conflict sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. You have been given the authority and the divine ability in Jesus Christ to take ownership of the thoughts you have and and force them into submission. Now, uh, before you think this is easy, (laughs) as a young leader, my first few years not just as a young Christian, but as a, as a minister, as a, a youth pastor, I struggled to do my own devotions because, man, I would get in there, I'd get my little Bible, and, you know, we didn't have tech then. I had a pen and a paper, you know, a chisel and a stone tablet and, and, a, and a Bible and all this, and I'd get in there and go to do my devotions, you know, and I'd worship a little bit, pray, and I'd, I'd start reading, and my mind would wander a million directions, you know, I wonder what Taco Bell has on the 99-cent meal today. You know, oh, I didn't pay my water bill. What am I? Oh, God, I wonder if the water's still on when I get home. 
you know, man, one of the tires looked a little flat on the car. I wonder what I'm going to do about that. My mind would wonder, and those are just the innocent things. And then as I would pray, some of these dark things, dark thoughts would come up. And I'd say, oh, God, I'm trying to do my devotions. Where is that coming from? Why do I think that now? My mind would just go everywhere. Maybe I have an overactive mind. I don't know. But as I understood this verse, I began to say, wait a minute. I don't have to be bullied. Wherever they're coming from, culture, family, past, my own brain, the lust of the flesh, the devil, it really doesn't matter. Wherever they're coming from, I don't have to live like this. So, Lord, today I take these thoughts captive in Jesus' name and I bring them into obedience to you. Now, before you think that's a silver bullet or a magic pill, sometimes they pop right back up. <laughs> and so I equate it to drowning. You have to sub submerge those thoughts under the water of God's word until they drown. You have to suffocate them. And so, so some of those thoughts, um, you do that and they're gone. And here's what that tells you. They haven't been in your mind very long. But the other thoughts that have been planted in there for months or years or maybe even since childhood, you, they just kind of nag at you. You are going to have to battle them because they will press back again and again and again. And some of them have have come into conformity to the world's pattern. So it's like it's been uh, framed in with concrete. And you're not just going to walk in and chunk that out and it's just going to go away. You're going to have to uproot it and it takes time and it takes persistence on your part to continue to walk out this thing called the mind of Christ. It's like cutting out cancer. The toxic thought has to be removed because it's been there for a while. Have you, ever, have you ever gone to one of those um, condominium sales pitches? It's like trying to get out of there. You know what I'm saying? Because they're going to have 27 reasons why if you just buy today, don't go out the door one more time. You have got to make a, you've got to absolutely make your mind up. I will not in Jesus' name buy a condo or a timeshare or whatever it is. Right, you got to make your mind up, and you've got to make your mind up so strong that you're going to convince them. They're not going to convince you. Well, well, this is what we're talking about. That's how your thought life has to be. You have to defeat it here, and when you do, it'll come at another angle, come at another angle, and come at another angle. But you've got to convince these destructive thoughts that they have no place or right in your mind. And you have, you have to reject them. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You, this word renewing is interesting. This word renewing, you know what it means? It means renovate. Renovate. If you're a Christian, God saved your soul, but you've got to renovate your mind. Now, I don't know if you've ever renovated anything. I, I recently ran into a, a man who was showing me he and his son had uh, bought an old car, and I mean, it was absolutely trash. Looked like something. It was a 50, 55, 58 uh, Chevy something. I don't know what it was. Wagon looking thing. But they bought it, and man, they had to rebuild the chassis. They had to rebuild everything. The, all the internal working parts. It took three years from the, the rebuild that thing uh, up, and they hadn't even started on the bodywork. After three years, they started on the bodywork. 
And they, they had a, he had a, a photo album. He was showing me in the back of it all the work they had done. And I said, man, uh, it's an understatement to say you built this from the ground up. He goes, oh, yeah, totally from the ground up. But, but you see, this is what it looks like to renovate something. It literally means to rip out the old and to put in the new. And when you become a Christian, you have to renovate some of your memories. You have to renovate things you learned from the past. You have to renovate your thought process, and you have to renovate your assumptions, and you have to renovate your conclusions. You have to renovate your beliefs and your values and your priorities. They have to be renovated. They have to be ripped out. One, one of our missionaries tells such a powerful story from uh, natives in New Guinea. The natives there had this custom of uh, ritual songs and dances. They would have the fire, and you know they'd go around and start dancing and singing, and they'd work themselves in, up into a frenzy. Uh, and they had this ritual they called murder songs. And as they would dance over and work themselves up into a frenzy, they would start shouting out the names of people that they wanted to murder, like from another tribe or something. That, and that was the culmination of it. Well, when many of those natives became Christians... They kept the ritual. They would, they would dance around the fire and sing. And, but when they got to the point that they were going to shout out the name of a person that they wanted to murder, instead, they would shout out the name of a sin they wanted God to murder in them. So they would say, jealousy, pride, envy, lust, lying. Can you imagine how incredible that would be to see that. But what they had done is they had allowed the word of God to come inside them and the mind of Christ to begin to fill them that they were having a renovation of the soul. They had taken out the old and they had put in the new. So that brings us to the last thought this morning. Recognize the negative thought, re reject the negative thought. Number three, replace your thoughts with God's thoughts. Like, like, that's it. As we said, renewing means to renovate. Renovate's to tear out, but it's also to put in the new. If you just tear out the old and don't add the new, your mind will become reinfested with the same thoughts over time. It'll just be empty and it'll deteriorate. The goal is to think like Jesus. So Colossians 3, 9, and 10 gives us a good um, picture of what God wants our mind to be like. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on your new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So how do we renew our mind? We fill our mind with God's thoughts. You have to have a regular intake of new thoughts. And what I don't mean is um, new like, oh, I've never heard that before. I mean new like transformational truths about Jesus. you got to turn the light on in your dark brain. You have to turn the light on in this dark conforming tunnel that we're all going through called life. You have to let the revelation of Jesus Christ through the Bible flip on your mind and fill you with God's thoughts. We have to continually... Um, feed our mind scripture and when we do our mind will be renewed and we'll feel less pressure and less anxiety and remember the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace 
The old mind is Satan's greatest weapon to use against you. So why is it important, you know, to come to church? Because you are fed thoughts that renew your mind. Why is it important to read the Bible and and have a devotional time with Jesus? Because you are fed these God thoughts. Why is it important to have a life group or to have spiritual relationships in your life where you have spiritual conversations about God because God is going to use those people in your life to give you God thoughts that will renew your mind. Why is it important? Maybe through podcasts or Christian books or whatever. But look, really there are only two ways to deal with your mind. It's what you keep out and what you put in. That's the only way to deal with it. And they're both important. But, but here's what I think. I think the one that's most important is not what you keep out. I'm not against keeping bad things out. Like, no, but don't go tell anybody I said that. Don't email me. I'm not against keeping bad things out, okay? But I think if I could only pick one, and I think what you put in, and I think if I could zero in on the one that matters the most because it's not what you take out that gives you strength, it's what you put in. That's where life is. That's where renewal comes from. So what are you putting in? Let's just kind of tie it all together there. What are you feeding your mind? You you are experiencing in your life and in in your mind what you're feeding your mind. That's what you're experiencing. So I want to give you this morning a renewing the mind test. Okay? Don't nobody panic. I'm not a good test taker, so don't, it's not the ACT, nothing like that. I want to give you a test. And what I mean by give you the test, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to uh, you know, <laughs> uh, give you a test to take. Now, you don't have to answer. But it's a test you can give yourself every day, every week, whenever you want to. One simple question. What is God teaching you now? That's the test. That single 15-second question will tell you more about the renewal of your mind than anything I know. What is God teaching you now? Now, don't panic. You don't have to come get a microphone and tell everybody. You don't even have to know immediately. But if by the time today is over, You can't come up with one thing God is teaching you. Maybe in this moment, in this week, in this month, in this season of your life, if after some thought, if after a little reflection, by the time the day's over, if you can't come up with one thing God's teaching you, then I think it's very likely that your mind is deteriorating and it's not being renewed. Because God is always teaching us something. And if we're reading the Bible there, Jesus' mind is just flashing up to us over and over. You may say, well, some days I read it, I don't get anything out of it. Hey, welcome to the human race. Some days I don't either. But it's not every day. And if I keep reading it, and I keep reading it, The day comes, the moment comes when I go, well, look at that. Has that always been there? (laughs) Never seen that before. Man, that that speaks to me today. Wonder if I should, wonder if I should think about that a little bit.
that might be something God might be saying to me. Renewing the mind. When, um, when my wife was uh, a teenager, she was raised in a lot of pain and dysfunction. And her mom uh, had been sick for a lot of years. And just not knowing what to do uh, as a teenager in high school, she rebelled. And, um, and a few years after that, she rededicated her life to Jesus and began to work on pulling out some of those old thoughts and renewing her mind and walking with God. And her life changed a lot. And by the time we married, um, years went by and her 20-year high school reunion came up. And she said to me, she said, uh, man, I, the last time I saw a lot of those people, you know, I wasn't living for Jesus. And um, I really think God wants to use me somehow to be a testimony of his grace. She just said, would you pray with me about that? And I said, yeah, man, I'll, I'll, I'll pray with you. And for months, she fasted once a week and prayed for months, weeks and weeks and weeks and months, and just said, I just feel like God wants to use me somehow. And she fasted and prayed. And we went to her 20-year reunion, you know, and she got to reconnect with some of her old friends. And in the middle of that uh, reunion, you know, they had these, I don't, I don't think we ever really grow up past high school too much, you know what I mean? We have these little awards that we give. And out of 350-something students, they awarded her the certificate of most changed by the whole class. And you know, it thrilled her heart because she said, not only has God changed my life, but he's changed it in such a way that other people can see it. And that's a testimony to his grace. Isn't that cool? So, if you, know, if you know my wife, you know she struggles with a disease and it's uh, crippling her. She can't write her name too well anymore. She's lost a lot of her coordination. But if you follow her on Facebook, you know what she does. Every morning when I wake up, she's sitting in the kitchen at a, at a little table with a computer and she's got devotional books out and she's reading them and she's looking for a thought and she takes that thought and she types it on Facebook and it might be a scripture and it might be you know an inspirational thought of encouragement she can't type real well it might be in all caps it might be misspelled but she still types it in and you know why she does that because she's renewing her mind and you know why she renews her mind? Because that pattern was set in her in those earlier years. And she still does it to this day. And I, I don't know, baby, I don't know if I could do what you do. I wonder what pressure's on her life. I wonder what pressure she feels. But somehow, the pattern is still in her to renew her mind every day and I'm grateful and you are an example to me you're a hero to me 
grateful for you. I want you to know that. Would you just would you just remain standing and I want to ask our prayer team if you'd come. Every eye closed, if you just open your heart, please. Just be still for a minute. You know, I wonder today what pressure you might be under. And I wonder what you might be feeling and what thoughts you have and what needs in your life are unmet. Maybe you have, you know, fearful thoughts or thoughts about the future thoughts that are holding you back or things that need to change or just needs that you don't know how they're going to be met. But somehow today, there's pressure in your life. With every eye closed, would you just lift your hand and say, there's pressure in my life in this moment. And today, I need, I need prayer. I need God's touch. Would you just lift your hand? Yeah, in the back. Yep. The front. In the back. In the middle. Can I tell you, God's moving today and He's working and He wants to help you. You just have to give Him a chance. So I'm going to pray for you and as I do, if you lifted your hand or you need prayer, I want you to come today and I want you to let the the presence of the Holy Spirit and I want you to let the person of Jesus meet you. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed in agreement with someone and it's something in their prayer that God used to speak to me and that thought changed one of my thoughts and it began to renew me and ministered life to me Holy Spirit I prayed it right now that you would draw every person that needs to be touched by the person of Jesus the presence of the Holy Spirit Lord I pray today that you draw every person as I begin to pray right now I want to ask if you need prayer I want you to come right now Lord, I thank you today for the goodness of God and I thank you today for your presence that has brought victory and joy and and strength and overcoming life. And Lord, I thank you today that we're not subject to the pattern of this world, but we've been given divine weapons today that we might be conformed to another kingdom and another world. God, I pray today as we meet you in your presence, God, I pray that you would strengthen and encourage and build up and minister life that this would be a place of life and peace because the Holy Spirit would reign here God minister today by your own presence the worship team begins to sing if you need prayer I want you to come right now Lord we worship you today that is through you Promise. 
continue to sing. If you need prayer, come on and let us pray for you. God bless you. I'm glad you're here today. Don't forget our Facebook party tonight at 5. Have a great day. Even when I don't